0: so we've been talking a lot about tokenomics and web3 and i'm i've always been very interested in how this stuff will affect the traditional world the old world the let's say quote unquote real world right the non-digital world yet yeah. um, and with all the russia and ukraine stuff going on and the fallout from the conflict with i'm watching it Unfolds from here in Singapore, and I'm kind of horrified that at the at the derivative effects of the war, right? Like, so there's the impacts of the war directly the, in Ukraine, you know, people getting killed, etc. But to see the reactions from governments around the world, right, to to try and do what they believe is right right but to me the collateral damage that things like you know massive sanctions and uh shutting off energy supplies and deciding to close foreign reserves you know shut like cancel central banks stuff like that just got me very alarmed right because i'm I'm quite aware that we're only able to live the way we live now because of a billion different checks and balances that are like super finely tuned, right? So that everything fits, like, so that the resources that we have can be shared globally in as good a way as we can manage, right? And this system has been slowly evolving over the last, what, 50, 100 years, you know, getting more and more sophisticated. And now the world's carrying, what, 7, 8 billion people that wouldn't have been possible a hundred years ago because we wouldn't have been able to distribute those resources um, as efficiently as we do now, right? And then, so I just, on one of our calls, I just said, hey guys, what do you think about um, Web3 or decentralization? How can that help us now, right? When we see, or let's say I'm worried about certain centralized power uh, uh, central centralized authority figures just taking an axe to like this global machinery right that is used to distribute resources you know people are just unilaterally just taking chunks out of it and saying oh sorry i'm doing this because you're a bad actor or you're a bad actor and i decide i'm taking this out right of this whole energy food Communications, travel, infrastructure. So then, I just you know ask you, Florian and Lovis, uh, what did you guys think? Like, how how can decentralization maybe help us going forward as a as a species or as a culture? However you want to put it, right? Like, can I know how decentralization has given people a chance to opt out from say inflationary financial systems? Right but how can hopefully uh, we I, I don't know if we have an answer, but maybe we could just have a discussion on how maybe decentralization could help make us more resilient to these unilateral action right, by certain people in power um, yeah, yeah. and then maybe we will show in the show notes too right like we're, I think we're all somewhat of a Uh, fan, or if not a fan, at least interested in what this Balaji um, dude has to say about the future and the network state, right? So I've just listened to his um, latest podcast, I think it was Farnham Street, on Farnham Street, Uh, we'll link it, but uh, it was two and a half hours of very mind-expanding dialogue. But yeah, that was kind of a long Winded yeah. intro, but I just that's that's why we thought we'd come together to just maybe discuss that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think like this, um, yeah, this whole network state idea, and in a way, what we are cur- turn, currently doing with the tokenomics DAO, um, yeah, may be able to an give, give a little bit of an answer where it could be heading. Because like the when you when we talked about it, the first idea that we that I had was like you know, the, the current structure that we're building with this DAO is that we have people from all over the world, um, participating in this and, and, and showing up and doing something like adding some value, producing content, um, joining on consulting gigs or doing education or managing the DAO. Um, and and that is something that would have been not impossible before, but like very, very difficult for an early stage startup, like to have employees from all sorts of, uh, parts of the world. Right. And, um, how do you even align them and things like that? And so I think Balaji's network state theory is like that these state borders or country borders don't matter anymore. And in a way, like the, the, the DAO that we're currently creating, um, or like other DAOs as well, they are in a way that already, right. You break down these like country and state borders and you just collaborate with people that have the same interest and maybe that can be expanded to other topics such as, um, you know, like supply chains. Mm.
0: We were also talking about, um, the, 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 we, we were saying like, with have state borders, right? Like web three helps with those things, like with the DAO, like you mentioned, but then in terms of things like, uh, commodities, right? What happens when a state actor says, hey, you're not allowed to buy commodities from this group of people, let's say, right? Like how (laughs) it sounds, I don't know, initially, it feels like it's impossible to get around that problem, right? Because they have the guns, and they have the jails. And if they say you're not allowed to buy food from this guy across a border, if your choice is to starve or use a decentralized platform somehow to still buy from this person, I guess, how, how would it work,
1: you know? Well, I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if a decentralized platform would help um, yeah. in like buying it because buying at the end is just like this, the payment that you have to make, right? And you'll, you'll like place an order with, with them for the commodities. And that's something, I mean, you could do that decentralized maybe, but I don't think it will really help you because the delivery then, <laughs> That's the problem, right? Like, mm, how do they the logistics. Then, like logistically and, and ship the physical goods over to you, even though you're not allowed to actually have even made that transaction, right? I mean, maybe what it could do is like align all these different people in a way. I don't know, if if, if, if people kind of put money, say into some smart contract to fund it, and it would be big enough to, you know, create, do something like the, like a Dallas Buyers Club, maybe, you know, there's, I don't know the exact same exact thing, if there's a movie or something, but the idea is like that multiple people come together to then, um, form a like corporation to, to then order stuff from a wholesale, Mm -hmm. um, wholesaler, right. And they get a, a better price and buy stuff in bulk, um, which only usually only corporations can do. But in this way, like people would do it, they would come together and do it. And yeah, yeah maybe that's something you could use for. Well, yeah, yeah on, we for example, people.
2: you could, it, I mean, you could form that theoretically, say like uh, uh, Jason, you had mentioned in another call that Sri Lanka is running out of diesel or has run out of diesel. Yeah. So theoretically, like maybe the procurement process of the government, I'm not talking about Sri Lanka, but maybe in general, maybe the general procurement process is just super inefficient. So maybe there's just a, a way to you know, make it better and pool interest in a commodity like diesel um, and basically lock up funds, right? Transparently for everybody to see and then go out and approach a seller. <clears throat> and of course, if that seller is sanctioned, then that will make it illegal to bring that fuel across into that country, particular country where the buyers are. But let's assume that there's a, you know, a global market with lots of sellers who aren't sanctioned. Um, so you could, I don't know, you could probably help private entities organize more efficiently in that way. Um, and the seller would have heavily reduced risk, right? Cause maybe usually they wouldn't sell to private people because they don't know about payment, blah, blah, blah. But if you had it on a, on a, a Web three protocol where the funds are clearly visible and they're somehow held in a smart contract, then that takes out a lot of the risk, right? So you you kind of solve that trust problem, I think. Um, yeah, and so, but but of course, so this is like you know many hypotheticals stacked on top of each other. But so, in general, you know, with the the governance system. <laughs> uh is like a central topic right when you form a DAO or when you have a uh, like a DeFi protocol or something like tokens often enable governance in the sense that you get to decide on how this project evolves in the future and I think there's also still a lot of work to do w- within Web3 to make that better um because like you know you sometimes you see these votes where if token holders it's like a yes or no vote and then if 10 percent of the holders vote then that's considered a quorum, and then that carries. And it's like, eh, that's pretty low participation. Did they really know what they're voting on? You know, all these questions come into my mind. But then the governance system, like in the democracy, is also not terribly efficient. You know, because it always depends. Like, what news are they watching? Where are they getting informed about the issues? Uh, what are they voting on? You know, it's vote about personality, and they're blah, blah, about blah, and representatives, then representatives,
1: right? Yeah, they're on actual matters.
2: Exactly. Well, that's the thing, right? Exactly. Yeah, right. So some people will vote on issues, right? Like, oh, well, you know, in America, they're saying, like, oh, Bitcoin might become a single issue vote. So, like, the people pro Bitcoin might get elected now all of a sudden because it's such a strong, it's a very well organized minority, let's say, of people who would push that through. But then, and so, like, I think that's cool because I'm pro Bitcoin, but now, does that reflect the majority interest? I don't know, you know, maybe. So like, um, where, where, sorry, it's a long ramble, but like, there's several areas where I think Web3 can help. I think one is, uh, this idea of immutable information, like make, uh, you know, freedom of speech, essentially like for people and entities being able to share their message without it being censored. I think that's one issue that's kind of flared up in the last couple of years. Um, this idea of governance, because like, oh, you know, people like in Europe, they always like to say, well, Switzerland has a direct democracy where people can like directly decide issues rather than have their delegates vote. But that's that's was considered so far super inefficient because we didn't really have technology to make it efficient. But that could become possible. right? It's, it is very conceivable that in the European Union with 550 million people, they could absolutely vote somehow via an app on their phone on issues if it was web3 based then you could also verify that it's not faked and so forth i mean it's a big engineering challenge but it could be solved so like there's there's many there's many like little puzzle pieces that i could see where web3 can help um or maybe we need
0: like a web3 lobby yeah, since since our government's controlled by law, like rich people, rich special interest groups, lobbying, right? Maybe the majority interest can, um, through a, something like a DAO, just you know make sure well, that the government that they have is is one that's, um, well, that's that well, that's supported by the grassroots.
1: That. Yeah, hmm? I think I actually read about something like that, where like they were putting together some funds to um install someone in Washington to lobby uh pro web 3 and crypto I mean we are definitely not the only ones or the first ones to think about this because obviously that's the that's the thing to do if you have a lot of capital you'll put somebody there or multiple people there that do what all the other industries do right buy the politicians and and make them to do stuff in your favor
0: and um I was actually thinking about it like after our call the last time maybe it won't happen overnight right it won't happen super directly but the whole maybe the the key to decentralizing these things is has already like the first domino has already started right like if if the financial sphere moves towards a decentralized platform then a lot of these things couldn't probably couldn't even happen now right like you you if if money is decentralized then this unilateral power actually starts to fade if they don't have the ability to tax and spend right then they'd lose so much of that power right now they're, they're able to to spend first and tax you later via a printing press or via raising taxes or whatever right but if it was a a different platform where they couldn't you know spend first and then decide how to pay later these things maybe wouldn't even be possible to sustain you know like maybe if america had to if the united states had to um tax every dollar they spend for having like what 700 bases all over the world they probably couldn't do it you
2: know well and and i mean underlying right they were only able to do it in the first place because of the uh Was it Bretton Woods too? Right, making the dollar the world currency, so to say. The not that, yeah. not the world currency, but the the petrodollar system, with, yeah. Yeah, reserve currency. Only because of so basically that token, the U.S. dollar token, allowed them to extract value from the world economy, and they the value accrued somehow to the petrodollar system, and the U.S. had then the privilege to spend it. So in a Web3 protocol, often uh, it's, you can see, like this is not my work, but other people have done the analysis um, that you can see that the, the value that happens in these ecosystems accrues to the token rather than the, the, rather than the companies running it. So for example, there was this guy, I forgot his name. I can look it up, put it in the show notes. Um, he went all in on crypto in 2014, started uh, his own <coughs> VC, was an early investor in coinbase for example and then like it had great returns right awesome company and so forth um but then later realized had he just put the money and bought ethereum he would have actually done better so like yeah, it's yeah. it's so we in traditional world the company would have would have uh would have been your best bet because you couldn't like with amazon you definitely want to hold the amazon stock because you couldn't buy uh, TCP IP you know you couldn't buy the protocol the internet runs on because that's not a not a thing that's tokenized but like with ethereum for example you can absolutely buy the token so you can own a piece of the network so to say the closest thing to it
0: that's very interesting though right like flo remember the conversation on like why why would a token have value right Maybe thinking about it from that perspective of you know, Coinbase versus the token, you know, owning the equity in the company versus owning the token directly, how come people gravitated towards the token? Right?
1: But yeah. Yeah, interesting. I mean, must, have, must have seen the utility of it of the token, right? And uh and, and that's why well, if you... that's why they, they they bought into it, right? And the network effects kind of maybe overtook what the company was doing cuz the company would have like traditional valuations and the traditional valuations would be yeah you know, things like their their revenue but the network like ethereum that would have like a a different type of evaluation like more like the the people that that join the people that you can pay and that maybe is something that, that people have used to evaluate such networks. And so that grows much faster than traditional companies can, I think, or do. If that makes well, sense. Let's,
2: I mean, so for me, if I think about it, let's assume that, um, and, there's, and there's a hole in the logic, but let's assume that Coinbase would only be in exchange for buying and selling Ethereum. So the idea is that they, they can't transact without using the network, right? So like their business doesn't even work without also transacting on the network. And so each transaction and each new player, they bring each new customer that becomes a Coinbase customer also immediately automatically becomes an Ethereum customer, so to say, or user. So basically they're just a they're just a fancy on-ramp, right? So they benefit for sure, and then their share price will go up or their internal value of the company will go up but they're also actually bringing new people into the ethereum network and so since the network is the bigger thing that uh it'll always gain it'll gain more because it'll there'll be not one Coinbase, there'll be 10 exchanges so they'll they'll always yeah Yeah.
0: coinbase could fail and your investment goes to zero but if you owned ethereum then
1: yeah I mean that could also fail and you have a different network taking over but like if you'd go well, like in this network case network, I guess it would outperform yeah. the stock maybe or the corporation that deals with it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's probably not the case in every case, but yeah. So what, what other problems, I guess, are there? Like going back to what you initially said, right? What other problems are there typically if we look at like the, you know, you were saying like this whole just in time globalization thing that we're in at the moment that um, definitely is like very fragile and um, can collapse if like only small things like stop working. And that's what we're kind of seeing now. So what other things like problems that are out there Maybe you can you can like describe one or two that yeah uh, you know, we can then look at and and see like maybe how how decentralization or tokens or things like that could could help to improve them.
2: Yeah, do, yeah you, um, you, had, you had given us that sorry, example with the with the uh, the LNG with the you know we need these terminals and these ships and stuff. Do you remember?
0: All right. So that Zoltan Poza, this guy from Credit Suisse, wrote this article about Bretton Woods III, right? And he was saying, we're entering into a new financial system now, where in the past, the the gatekeepers or the guys pulling all the levers, they could bail the system out because everything was, you know, there were errors or there were problems with the valuations of things, right? Like, uh, one entity would be holding on to an asset, and the asset would fail and the insurance for the asset, you know, the company that was supposed to insure this asset failing, like, if you know, if you watched the big shot, you would know what that was about, right? Um, basically, the insurer would fail. And then there's a the hole in this system where a huge chunk of value is lost so how do we make everyone whole again without bringing the system? like the system can take small hits but it can't take a big big nominal hit right because too many people go bankrupt and then there's this daisy chain effect where everyone goes bankrupt right but you think in the old in the in the regime of the near past a central bank could then say yeah no worries you know i'll just Put a few more zeros, print up a, a few checks, send it through to this and that person, and maybe it 's not fair, but um, everyone 's made whole you know so so the system doesn 't fail. There are some winners, there are some losers, but all in all, everyone still goes about their day there 's still cash coming out of ATMs blah 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 what he 's saying now is that we have a problem with not nominal things but real things so there's a shortage of, say, diesel. What happens if there's a shortage of diesel in Europe, right? Um, The shortage has come about from having a natural gas shortage. And when there's a natural gas shortage, the big uh, chemical companies in, or, or petrochemical companies in Europe don't have their feedstock to create hydrogen, which is then added to gasoline, which then gets you diesel, right? So now there's no diesel or a shortage of diesel in Europe, and we need diesel to ship, you know, tomatoes from the Netherlands to Germany, or you know, wheat from, I don't know, Ukraine to wherever the bakers in Germany, right? And uh, he's saying in that situation, what can the what can the the financial elite do? Like the ECB could print a lot more euros. But it doesn't really serve any purpose because the underlying supply chain shock is already there and the euros cannot paper over a real problem. You know, you can paper over nominal problems, but not real problems. So, and
1: so the problem is more like a system inefficiency. Cause like, we're not, we're not actually like using more gas than we used one or two or three years ago or not significantly yeah. more all of a sudden right so the the problem of like natural gas shortage or anything a shortage is mainly due to the system just being like inefficient in, in in ways right so maybe that's something that could be addressed yeah so in this
0: case this case it was it was it's this thing where there's an issue with political decision makers making decisions right Without prob maybe, maybe not, I don't know, but they might might not have understood the the flow on effects of their decision, right? So they, their incentive is to get re-elected and their electorate wants to hear that we can live in a world where we don't need fossil fuels anymore, let's say. And so the the guy that comes to power or the lady that comes to power says, Okay, if I get elected, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna allow for new licenses for you know, I don't know, drilling or for pipelines. So everyone's still then surviving on the pipeline and the drilling license from, say, 10 years ago. But those things deplete or pipelines break down or need maintenance or whatever, right? And populations grow. And so the system needs to evolve. But then when there's a political decision that's made to say you're not allowed to invest in upkeep and maintenance, then you start having shortfalls. so I guess it's a gradual thing until one day somebody, you know, like how panics yeah, usually happen, it's right? Much, it's always, yeah. well, I heard um, somebody mentioned this really famous line, right, from Ernest Hemingway, uh, where they were asking him, hey, how did you go broke? And he said, oh, I went yeah. broke two ways, right, slowly, then all at once. Yeah. And I think we, we, we as human beings, you know, our behaviors are often nonlinear, you know, nobody cares about nobody cares about paper straws plastic straws until suddenly everyone cares about it right.
1: Um, but. Yeah, I mean like but then the, the problems again like regulation and. Um, political. Um, fuck ups would be the yeah, right well, word maybe right um is, is it, that french or english I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but i guess to like- make us
0: a, a really dumbed down oversimplified analogy right it would be it would be similar to somebody a king saying hey i don't like my neighbor for whatever reason so because of that my whole country's going to starve and that's my decision sorry, you guys. But to me, this decision is super important. You guys starving is less important than me punishing our neighbor. So we're gonna starve, right? So yeah, so I guess, in that way, you can say the system is inefficient, right? Because there is that bug, let's say, in there somewhere that allows for these decisions to be made in the first place.
1: Yeah, but I'm just I'm just trying to think through like, what what we could solve. And I don't think that decentralization can act like, I mean, yes, maybe, but that's like very, very, very long shot. I don't think they can solve like the regulatory side. They, they don't, they can't solve the King problem, but if the problem was an optimization problem, um, like if we could ensure, and that's something that I, I think they also came out of the Sultan piece or something that you, you said last time, right. It was more like, um, you now have, um, you don't, you know. We 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 did this globalization for a very long time, right? And and everything then was produced in China. Commodities came out of Russia, Australia, and other places, and they were all like shipped to China. China made stuff and then shipped it to the West. And yeah. this now is changing. Is what Zaltan was was saying in his piece, right? And He kind of said like, mm-hmm. yeah, um, we're we're going to have some deglobalization. Is basically what he predicts, and that means that the supply chains will be very very different it won't be this like this easy flow from raw materials go from here or from russia or australia or somewhere to china and then they get produced into something and then go to the u.s or europe where the consumers are it'll be very very different like when now uh because they have to europe starts uh or or the uk starts uh tapping into their own gas fields and the u.s might do that then they become the, the producers of stuff and they might start to ship stuff to somewhere where it is produced. And it might not always be China, it might be Europe again, or it might be uh, somewhere in Africa, I don't know, but stuff might be like produced in other places again. And then it, well, yeah, it, there still might be this whole regulation side of things, but let's say we can't touch that. So the only thing we can solve for is like the whole, um, I guess like efficiency, right? How do we get stuff? from A to B in a better and more efficient way. And I think like, that's something that maybe decentralization can help with. Yeah. And the, the one thing that um, I read about, and i heard like, again, Balaji talk about this was like this DeFi matrix. Um, and, and he said like, when everything becomes available on chain, then mm-hmm. everything can be like traded with everything on chain. I think that's kind of the idea, right? And I, I know about it because I did research for this piece that I wrote about uh, like on Citadel. Citadel, their, um, their idea is to buy real estate and then bring it on chain so that for a piece of real estate, you essentially have like a, an ERC20 token <clears throat> that you can, you can buy. So I don't have to buy a REIT, but I can buy this nice beachfront property in Bondi Beach. Um, and I, I don't have to buy the whole thing but I can buy, I don't know, a couple, of, a couple of thousands yeah. of that, a fraction, but I own a fraction. So I get the the 10% that real estate goes up every year in Australia. Um, I get that for my investment and um, I maybe have some decision power. So they, they kind of bring these tokens on chain. So if now mm-hmm. somebody else brings, well, I don't know, gold on chain, um, then you could trade these two things in like like on an automated market maker and you wouldn't need um I don't know something like in the London Metal Exchange you could completely outsource that you know because what happened with with nickel a while ago right the nickel price was going up and they just decided to jump in and, and stop the trading right that's i think what roughly happened in this exchange, sure. right? So somebody stepped in and said like, hey, we're we're gonna stop this right here. So, and if you stop trading, then like some of the parties might not like that, right? Because yeah. like there's always two people to the, to the trade. So uh, some might want to sell. They, they didn't sell. flow. They didn't
0: just stop it, man. They freaking reversed it. So it got yeah. up to like, I can't remember the right number, but I think like 150K per ton and the guy was like all right we're going back to 30k on monday right like that's where it started on monday so we're going to start from there again and then they did it again twice right because every time it yeah. went up they said okay that's going in the wrong direction let's start again and again and again
1: yeah we don't like your price so, but well, essentially, so- like, if you had these assets and you would have a decentralized exchange like uniswap then you could trade these two assets completely automated you wouldn't need a middleman like the lme like the, the exchange there in London, you wouldn't need that necessarily. I mean, I, I still don't know how, to, how you would settle in the end, like how you would get the, the oil to another place and then get the gas to another place. But I mean, like maybe just even the, the trade and the exchange could be done in that way, maybe more efficient. And you could add things like shipping companies and transportation to the whole mix that could also be sold in this like way. I don't know if, if that's something I'm just thinking or just some wild better. ideas
2: isn't that basically <clears throat> more sophisticated barter so instead of going over a currency you're going direct with the commodities yeah but but i mean in certain commodity pairs it may, might make sense right trade weed for oil or whatever i mean, I mean countries yeah, you could, could you could
1: add currencies for it you could add currencies yeah. if you need to so you don't have to do barter but yeah, it'd be
0: yeah. trivial to, to maybe go through like a stable coin that's backed by w- one of the parties or whatever, right. To go trade in and out.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe but ideally. But it's a efficiency decentral- efficiency, ideally a decentralized stable coin.
0: Yeah. So I guess there's, does this. So if you think about it, there's, you know, decentralization of the Right now, we're talking about how to do it within the regulatory framework, right? So things like Bitcoin, they're probably outside the regulatory framework at the beginning, right? It's just this outside thing that then the regulatory framework had to then take notice of and decide how to how to interact with it, right? But um, yeah, for the for the efficiency thing, we're talking about how to use. Um, Web3 to give better signals and less noise and let decision-making, like especially these massive decisions, hopefully they they become more decentralized, right? And it's not one point of failure like the LME. Because you're right, like at the LME now, the, the guys that were going long and were making money, they're now suddenly told to eat a loss. And they're like, maybe if there was alternatives, they would go somewhere else, right? But at exactly. the moment, they only have this, let's say, quote, unquote, un- unreliable, if I'm going to just use that as an adjective, unreliable exchange, right? Yeah. Um,
2: well, they, yeah, so that's what I was just thinking. <clears throat> so there's there's, a, there's tons of criticism of uh, capitalism in general, right? And then when I have, and so I'm generally speaking uh, pro-capitalist, pro-capitalism, um you know, very much like I'm pro-democracy. I don't, I think, like, what is the famous quote? Like, yeah, it's a terrible system, but it's the best one we have or something. But the thing that's happened, and I think the, that that what causes these inefficiencies is not by nature born from democracy or capitalism, right? The stuff that people, I think, are upset about, and they say, well, this is always because of this, you know, bullshit capitalism is... Um, is like, well, when you then dig into it, it's like, well, what are you upset about? It actually, in my opinion, or my experience so far, comes down to somewhere where there is um, regulatory capture or where exactly what you're describing, there is a centralized point of failure that has somehow got captured and makes decisions in the interests of one group, right? So it's a, it's a very undemocratic decision that happens and that's has knock-on effects, which then pisses people off and then they say, well, this is all capitalism's fault or, you know, And, but it's, it's hardly ever true because these systems are super um, complicated. And I mean, these supply shortages looks like are very much caused by central entities interfering with the free flow of the market. So, and then people turn around and say, well, there's a gas shortage. And it's like, well, that's maybe what they say on the news, but like, how did the gas shortage come about? Like, what are the cause and effect of that? And then when you dig into it, very often you do find there's a regulator who made a decision that was not very well thought through, and then it has these unintended effects. And and the world is the world is uh, run by unintended consequences, right? Like the unintended consequences are almost always more, have a much bigger impact than the thing that you're trying to do. Um,
0: the cobra effect.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so with that i so like you know having said all that, I do think that there's massive opportunity in web three to bring in this these you know these trustless mechanisms where decisions are made um more efficiently and less corruptible, so to say, Because right? if you have an more automated...
0: more democratically more democratically right like that people actually get the chance to decide hey okay we we hate what Putin's doing let's yeah. let's not buy gas but we yeah. we 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 own the consequences that okay we're going to go dark this winter and freeze right and, mm-hmm. and maybe with a with a decentralized voting system you could do that direct democracy thing to say hey yeah, do we go ahead with this or not
1: but then it becomes like again this like information asymmetry right and, and that's probably more the problem because if if the votes just like are we going to stop buying putin's oil gas to punish him or not then most of the people will say like of course i'm for like punishing him and not buying any oil but they don't see the the trickle down effects that if they don't buy it if they, if they stop buying it then we just won't have enough we can't heat, So it's the framing of the poll and it's the framing of the poll yeah and that, and that can i guess like in a lot of cases still be tricked so in like, like you said in the beginning like we said like this dow vote where you need like a 10 percent a quorum and most people don't even know what it's about it's going to be the case in every vote or in, in a lot of cases i mean nowadays it's much easier and much uh, better to access information but still will people access it even if they can will they look into the whole thing i'm not sure yeah, right? yeah. so maybe that's more of a problem and not this decentralized governance um well, that you, would help it
2: and then you get into this whole thing that uh... How do people get information, right? Because we're all assuming that we're, you know, the internet is open and free, right? and yeah. unfortunately, I would hate to break it to you, it isn't, right? Um, yeah. Big Maybe tech companies gonna change that. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, there's tons of places where you can listen to experts talk about this. You know, there's very in, like independent studies have been shown that there's strong political bias, and even like something as trivial as a Google search result, right? So that means we're all being influenced, and we don't even know it. And, and that's the crazy part, right? If I if I was like, well, I find everything on my search engine, like you have to assume some level of uh, like unbiasedness, right? But it's not the case. We're all in our bubble, uh, and that's uh, yeah, that's a that's a super tough not to crack. Uh, and I mean, I don't know how to crack it, but. I do know, and the thing that motivates me to work in Web3 and figuring this out and also like doing it on the micro level for our DAO, um, if we get it right there and then help other people get it right in their micro situation, it will have an effect, right, for the macro picture long-term. So that's what makes me really optimistic. Yeah, it's like the people Um, change,
1: right? If you show the people that there's a different way to do stuff, like Mm -hmm. in... And, and and I see this like in the in the DAO world, right? If you show people that there's a different way to work, will mm-hmm. they ever want to go back? Like you know, with the pandemic, what I really liked was mm-hmm. that you know all these lockdowns. They I, I've been working from home for like most of my working life because I I just was a consultant or um, did did that most of the time, and then I was lucky enough to work for a company which I work for now where I can just work from home, um, and uh, that's something like people during the pandemic has just just experienced the first time right and now they're like oh I'm not going back this is so cool right like, I'm not gonna I don't have to commute for an hour or people even like here in Sydney I bet many people move from the CBD or somewhere else they just move to the beaches and say like why not live on the beach if I don't have to go Sorry to the office it. anyway or do it once a week or twice a week so it's kind of this people change that has now happened I think that's going to happen in a lot of other areas as well work-wise right so if you could. Work for um, a corporation with like a hundred thousand employees, strict hierarchies, all this stuff. Where you have to do like training every week, you have to go to the office every day, uh, you know, from nine to five, and all that kind of stuff. Or do you want to work um, in a very flexible setting? You might even work more than I definitely work more than that. You might you might even work more than forty hours, but you can you've got your own terms, right? You can start six in the morning if you want to. Um, you can take like a three hour lunch break and, and go surfing or spend time with your kids. Um, and, and then you can work from eight to 10, but like, you can decide all of that. And it's like super flexible. And if you want to take a month leave, you, you can, if you want to go to a different country and work from there, you can. And, um, yeah, and then- I think if people see that, they don't want to go back. And like, also like yeah. this whole, they have a say maybe in what happens in the company. Um, like they get ownership would they ever yeah. want to go yeah. back? Right. So that's something exactly. that's really
2: the, powerful. Exactly. And you, what, what everything you said, flow, plus what you said at the end, was mm-hmm. was, was I going to add the, they become, they become principles, right? Mm-hmm. And once you're a principal, like when you're a part owner of the thing that you're also building and conceivably you could do this, you know, you could, easy, you, you could easily build yourself a gig income uh, from working, being a core contributor in two or three DAOs. Um, you be, you start acting like a, like a business owner, right? Rather than oh, I'm an employee, I punch in, I do my thing, I do what I'm told and I punch out. And it becomes like and I've seen this with because, I mean because that's what I've been passionate about for my adult life uh, is entrepreneurship and I've encouraged tons of people to do the same. and like, for example, like my, my sister, you know, she has she's an excellently trained uh, German hairdresser. Uh, she has a, she's like a master hairdresser now, but she for a long time didn't own her own business. And so I was like, do it, like, go for it. And like, man, her life has changed, not just because she makes a little bit more money, but because she now owns her time, right? She can work as much as she wants. She ha- She owns the client relationship. You know, they come to her rather than to the business where she works. Like, And it's a completely different outlook on life. Like, it, it, I, it's, it's like really this... Maybe, I don't know if it's fitting because this, this meme has been abused, but it's like being red-pilled, right? <laughs> so like, you see the world a different different way now. And I think if we can do that, um, uh, flow exactly like you said, the people change. And I think that change will lead to macro change over time, right?
0: Yeah, you uh, Flo, we didn't, It's so true Lovis, and you made me think of um, stewardship, you know, when we were talking about principal versus agent, right, it's in some ways you're, if I was to be super explicit, okay, it's a bit of a huge, okay, it's a huge exaggeration, right, but you're like saying you're going to be a babysitter for kids the rest of your life, or you're going to have your own kid, right? Like you're both, both in both instances you're looking after a child. Once your own child once once you're getting paid to look after somebody else's child. And I think most people would instinctively grasp that the interactions you will have with the kid you're babysitting or, or being a teacher to or whatever or your own child will have some differences somewhere in there, right? Like it might be hard to quantify, but qualitatively you would say, yeah, of course that person's treating that kid differently. It's 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 his own kid, right? Or her own kid. Um and and you know, when you we, I send my kid to childcare, and I think uh there's this rule, you know, if you're a childcare teacher, you're not allowed to be in a class where your own child is in, right? Mm-hmm. And why is that? <laughs> why, <laughs> why is that, that right? Yeah rule yeah. yeah so um with a Dao, it's like everybody has or oh, when you have ownership in something everybody feels like there's this stewardship aspect that something needs to last for the next generation like your time your time scale when you make decisions is suddenly time preference is suddenly so much longer right that event horizon you're looking not till my next paycheck not till my next bonus but no this things this thing's going to be passed on to the next generation right mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. maybe just also are long, but like, they definitely have a longer time horizon.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, even with equity stuff, right? Like if you own ownership in an asset, you can pass that on to your kids, you can't pass your job on to your kids.
1: Yeah, that's very true.
2: You can't even pass your retirement account on to your kids most of the time. Unless it's I mean, so this is right. So I'm talking about the German system, right? In Germany, you pay a percentage of your wages, whatever you earn your salary into it and then once you retire currently at 67 you get you can receive money right but once you pass away it's done you can't pass that on because you don't own equities like in a 401k like in the u.s there's a different system so that's why that's why i just said that yeah
0: no but you know lovis i was in australia right and i was explaining that to my aussie cousin right who puts a lot of his money into and invests very actively in his superannuation fund which is basically the australian version of like Flo would know it in more detail than I do, right? But when he heard that, he was like, "What? You can't? What?" And you know, and then when you tell him that there's huge taxation on inheritance, right? He goes like, "Ah, oh, but everything I'm doing is actually for my kid. Like, so if if you're gonna take all of that away, why would I work so hard? I might as well just go, you know, chill somewhere and work like eight hours a day. And if I fuck up, I don't care, right? Because." Uh, the only like, because he works freaking hard right he's a very industrious very creative person in him and his partner like he's 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 the the mother of his child right they they work super hard and they're keeping it for the next generation literally right um yeah. so he couldn't grasp that idea like he was like oh so if 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 i'm forced to put a huge chunk of my savings in something that will not be passed on why save
1: Yeah. And I guess like ownership changes that.
2: Solidarity, right? You're funding the system for everybody in a way. That's true. Yeah. But, well, yeah, but then, and so, and that's fine. And that's a nice idea as well. And it works sometimes, but then when you hear that the inflows are significant and they, whoever's managing that central retirement fund can't even manage to produce a two or 3% return on the capital they get, then you're just like, well, why won't they allocate why won't they allocate 5% to Bitcoin, (laughs) you know, like there's ways to boost that, uh, that return. Um, But yeah, anyway.
1: Maybe. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I like the, you know, I like the conclusion that we've kind of come to, even though I'm not sure if it is a conclusion already, but like that we can't really do too much, but maybe change the people and Mm. that, might but it would take some time but if the, the more people get accustomed to having ownership voting for stuff in like in like direct votes like 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 we, we would do in a dow or in a web3 setting that would be possible to do it that way the more people w- would would think like i want to do this in my in the in the country i'm in i want to do this for the i don't want to walk to the ballot box and like like get some representative that promises whatever and then runs off gets lobbied and then does something completely different i i maybe want to have this like direct control over it right and i want to have like better control measures over this this person if it is a representative or i want this direct avenue of voting or information or i don't know what right like this like like maybe even incentives like you know at tokenomics that we think about a lot about incentives i mean like that's what we do all day um and if you could kind of change the incentives i guess in the traditional world as jason called it then <laughs> if we could engineer these incentives again from scratch I, i'm not sure if we if we would do it the same way right but it's hard to change no. when it's already running it's easy to start a DAO and create a completely new thing but you can't do this with uh, a state right i can't just found my own state here in australia and then uh make up some nice regulations and rules and whoever wants to can come over that's unfortunately not possible it would be really cool though well
2: yeah but you know Balaji, uh, i think has an idea right <laughs> yeah. how to do it
0: but yeah, I, I, su- I agree. It's, so, it's cool to, to come to that sort of semi-conclusion. The fact that on a very basic level, if we come to have ex- different expectations on how things should be run, um, and we see the, we kind of understand the value of ownership, the value of being a principle, right, um, then we would then naturally tend to look towards our governance right of the state in let's say parallel lines right uh and and you know when you when you think about it like when we, when there was the enlightenment like a few hundred years ago in europe right the first the 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 big mind shift was that oh every human being has a value like nobody nobody should be another man's slave and we should be tolerant to different religions and we should separate the uh, constitutional representative government from the church, right? Um, the re- that's a decentralization, right? Like that, that was the first decentralization between church and state, right? And then after that, it was a decentralization of power between ownership of land, like aristocracy, and the you know, like democratic constitutional representative government, right? That was a, a, another decentralization. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if now the big um, enlightening behavioral change we will go through or the revolution that we will go through is to say, hey, we want to own things. We want to own what we create rather than sell our time, right? Because in the past we were like, we're free, but we're expected to sell our time. And that was okay. Maybe now we would go into this mind phase, right? Where we go, no, it's not enough to sell my time. I want to have equity in what I'm doing with my time, or at least have the option to have equity on what I'm doing with my time. And then that might that might flow on to political decisions, right? Where we then say, hey, we want to own these decisions. This system is up. It's supposed to work with us, for us, not, you know, in spite of us.
1: Yeah. Like we're like on this pathway to decentralize and further decentralize. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a really interesting way to kind of think about it, yeah. Ah, cool, man. I
0: feel so much less uh, frustrated and stressed now. Thanks, guys. This is like the best psych psych therapy session I've ever had because
1: this pathway towards decentralization,
2: yeah. So to sum it up, right? I mean, I think a lot of people in the Web three space get that already. That's, I think, probably also why that meme is so strong. We'll just, we'll just go and red pill, Web three pill. Let's stay away from the color because even those are, uh, even those have meaning, right? We'll just Web three pill as many people as we can, and uh, spread the word that there's a different way. And tokenomics style is a great place to think about it and uh, implement it and help other people implement it so join our discord find us on twitter <laughs> well, do that. all the things to get in touch subscribe Damn. to the sub follow on medium and um, <laughs> we're just getting started so it's pretty cool
0: lovis is yeah. the king of the unexpected plug yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like in every every podcast we're like is it gonna be now <laughs> <laughs>
1: You should, some, you should do that at like random times throughout the podcast, just somewhere.
2: <laughs> we, we have like these really annoying YouTube ads where we can just, we, I'll re, we'll record a couple of standard ones and we'll just cut them in in the middle yeah. of the episode.
1: Yeah. yeah, just when it gets like exciting, sometimes I'm like, they just finished like this amazing question and you just want to hear the answer and then they are like, <laughs> oh, we're going right to a By And like yes. 15 minutes That's- later, you're like, yeah. question again?
2: Yeah.
0: yeah that's when i break my iphone like that's when the iphone flies across the room
1: <laughs> ah brilliant cool guys
0: cool want to wrap it up yeah let's wrap it up at that on that
1: high note thanks yeah i think i wasn't sure where it's gonna go but i think uh we had a nice conclusion to it so thanks for listening